I'm Major Robinson. Leslie Messer. Mary Stranahan. Senator Dwayne Ankney. Marcy McLean in Billings, Montana. In, in Helena, Montana. Colstrip, Montana. Sydney, Montana. From Arley, Montana. And you are listening. You are listening. And you're listening to. And you are listening to Listen First. Listen First. Listen First. You are listening to the podcast Listen First Montana. Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. The number one thing you can do as a leader is to be vulnerable. I, I think it's it's the most powerful thing that you can do. Because it's in those moments of vulnerability that we be, people can see us as human and we can take down walls that we're constantly trying to fight. And it's at that emotional level where we start making connections. This is Chantel Schieffer. We're in Helena, Montana, and our guest tonight is Stefan Schreibeis from Glendive, Montana. He is the superintendent of the public schools there from our class, our flagship class of 2021 and our master's class of 2022. We're going to spend the next little bit talking with Stefan about leadership and Glendive and all the things. So, Stefan, welcome. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. It's great to have you here. So you just got off the highway. You just drove how many hours? That's a little over six. Six hours. Oh, that's not too bad. Nope. In Montana, that's not too bad, right? That's like one good audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. Or a couple. It just depends. If you have, um, do Audible, you can increase the speeds like I have, which has been a game changer for me. So um, then you can do it too. You can get a couple of audiobooks mm-hmm. in. I love it. Um, so tell us a little bit about you what do you do uh, what do you care about how do you spend your time and your energy yeah well um, like you said I'm a superintendent in Glendive and um, the big the big thing about me is I love leadership it's one of it's what drives me it's what fills my bucket up and so I look for every avenue to be able to um, learn about leadership and you know that if, if that's reading books listening to audiobooks like we talked about um, maybe it's watching training videos, you know, being a part of organizations like uh, Leadership Montana. Um, I absolutely love learning about leadership and, um, and then also teaching about leadership. And so I do a lot of um, things like that. That's what fills up a lot of my time. Um, but basically, everything about me is I want to make a difference in the life of, of people. And so that, that really drives me. Um, that's what got me into leadership you know, my, my core values. I know Leadership Montana really brings out what are your core values. Um, it's, it's my faith, my family, uh, my integrity, and um, love is a really big word that you'll probably hear in this podcast multiple times from me, and then my health, which is to me defined as body, soul, and, and spirit. And so, but one thing, I mean, there's, there's lots to me, um, but you know, there was four times in my life that I said I would never do something. I was never going to be a teacher. I was never going to be an administrator. I was never going to move back to my hometown, which I graduated from, and I was never going to be a superintendent. And I am was a teacher, became an administrator, moved back to the, my hometown, Glendive, and then became the superintendent in Glendive. So. I've learned in life that I'm trying to learn in life not to say never on things. So, because check, 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 check. That's You've exactly done all right. those four things. Yep. Did your wife grow up in Glendive too? She did. She was born oh. and raised there. Yep. That that was one of the when I moved away from Glendive, my parents moved to Mouse City, and I was just so happy I never had to go back to Glendive ever again. And then I married someone from Glendive, and so that's what got me back there every once in a while. And I was never going to move back there, and then. I moved back there and found that it was a pretty amazing place and a place that we're going to 
most likely be there the rest of our lives. So. So I want to talk a little bit about the community of Glendive. We just visited Glendive with the Leadership Montana class. We're really the first time we've had um, a program session there, and we had half of a day when we visited Sydney in April. And you are the first alum that we have from Glendive. So we're finally building inroads in the community of Glendive. And the, the class visit there was really, really powerful, super powerful. And the, the people that you put together to speak to us were so deeply committed to their community and to telling these stories of their communities that were kind of, you know, different than perceptions of what folks might often think of when they think of Glendive. You, know, you think of Makoshika, of course, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you think of the Dinosaur Trail. But there's so much more to the community than just the proximity to Makoshika State Park. Tell us more about what is what is Glendive? Well, I know this is probably a canned answer a lot of people say, but it's really true. It's the people are what makes Glendive really special. Um, I know when, when I first moved back there, we couldn't afford living in Montana. We decided when we moved from Nevada to Montana, my wife is going to be a stay-at-home mom. That was important to us got a job in Laurel, Montana as an assistant principal there, and we just couldn't afford it there. So we ended up through a round, really long story short, we went to Glendive. And for me, it was just going to be a year. It was just going to be just so I can get back on our feet for my family, provide for my family, and then we we're going to take off. But what really changed my mind um, was just how the community rallies behind um, people in Glendive. There was a a family who had two kids get E. coli and got shipped to Salt Lake City mm. and didn't know if they were going to live. And so they went. And while they were gone, um, another one of their kids got E. coli and got shipped to Billings. And so um, here's three of their kids all over the community. Kind of they came together for a fundraiser that they always do. And my wife decided to um, to basically um, give some art pieces there for the, the fundraiser. And bef- on our way to church, we dropped it off. And I just remember walking in with her and just seeing everything that was there. It was mind blowing mm. to me. Um, brand new TVs, couches. I mean, it just was phenomenal what, what I saw. And I was just like, wow, this is a really cool thing. And it's what they do time in and time out. They're just, they're really supportive of people there. So, I mean, the people is what makes Glendive special. And then you have, you know, Glendive's name, you you know, it would be a hashtag now, I guess, uh, Gate City. And it truly is the gateway to Montana, the Badlands, the Bakken, Yellowstone. I mean, there's so many, you mentioned dinosaurs. There's just so many different uh, things there. My wife just... Um, made a logo of a cowboy riding a paddlefish and it's, it's called the paddlefish capital of the world, right? Some people will call it that. And so just, just there's a lot of really unique things in Glendive, but the people are what makes it special. So I'm curious of your experience uh, through this pandemic, COVID-19, of serving your community in the role that you do as the superintendent of your public schools. What, gosh, I can't even imagine how how challenging that must be for you or must have been. So tell us what what you experienced in that role. It was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to go through. I went from probably one of the most influential people in town to one of the more hated people in town just because of what we had to do in the public schools. Um, we're in eastern Montana, so a very conservative stance on, and I even hate saying that because everyone's just kind of all over the place with where they stand on things. But um, so so it was it was really difficult to to lead during that, um, but it was one of the best things that I've ever done as well. And I've, I've always told, taught my whole life, your greatest challenge is your greatest opportunity to grow. And it was very challenging, um, even so much that it, you know, 
back in November of this year of 2021, it was just getting so difficult that I was just like, I am done. I am ready to be done with this. And I had to really do some soul searching and say, you know what, you've been teaching this your whole life, this concept of flipping it and your greatest challenge is the greatest opportunity to grow. And you really need to lean into this and mine for the gold, everything that I teach. And I was just like, I don't want to <laughs> right now. I don't want to. It, it was just, I, I went to my wife one day, I said, so what do you, what do you think if I become a college coach? <laughs> like, what do you think about that? And uh, it was kind of a joke, but kind of serious at the same time. But it was, it was really neat to be able to lean in, to grow out of that. Um, you know, yes, it was difficult. And it wasn't just difficult for me. This was superintendents across the country, not just superintendents. Anybody in leadership has their own story. And I always say in COVID, it's... It, that whole situation was just rough. Um, in the world today, my heart just breaks for people because everyone's going through so much right now and it's really overwhelming for a lot of people. And I just really want to, to help them as much as I can. But, you know, leading through COVID was definitely um, a very difficult thing to do, but also very, very rewarding as well. Mm. You mentioned your your concept of flip it which is something that i've heard you talk about a few times and and every time i hear you share this story it's really impactful and meaningful for me and it's something that when i'm in in challenge i think of i think of you telling this story so i i want to give our listeners an opportunity to hear you share a little bit about this flip it concept yeah so um since becoming a teacher i, I also coached and it became something I'm a, I'm a really big believer in how the mind works and, you know, it's all about perception and how we get, you know, the only things that we get to really control are our thinking and our actions. Um, we can't even control a thought in our head, but we can control our thinking if we keep thinking about it or, and we can control it if we act on it. So those are the two things that we're really trying to, um, to influence or to control. And, this concept of flipping it kind of came about um, that I taught with my students, my players. And it wasn't until we moved from Nevada about a week later, I was at a family um, gathering. It was my dad's 60th birthday party. It was a surprise birthday party. And it was the first time in four and a half years my whole family got together. And the day that we were, everyone was getting ready to leave, my brother dropped down in the kitchen and unfortunately passed away at the hospital that day. He was 28 years old, um, very healthy to everyone. They did CPR on him for about an hour and a half, which doesn't normally happen, but here was this really healthy looking kid and they had no idea what was going on. And so, um, and that was the first time I really had to, it was the, I always say it was the worst thing ever happened to me, but the best thing that ever happened to me. And I can say that because of this concept of flipping it and you take a negative situation in your life. Maybe it's just a, a negative thing that's happening to you right now. And you, you try to mine for the gold, you try to look for the positives in it and you try to flip it to be one of the best things that ever happened to you. And, um, that's, that's what we had to live through every single day. It was the first time our family had to really be like, wow, this happens to us too. You know, it happens to everyone else and we're always there to support them. But now all of a sudden it was us needing the support and how do we support each other through this and what does this look like? And, and so it, it was something that was really difficult, but also, um, there was so much good that came of it as well. And, and so I use that story to really, um, connect with people because everyone has a story either similar to that, um, something totally different, but they can usually relate um, to something in their lives that they can, you know, kind of look at and say, okay, how do I flip this? How do I turn this negative thing that I can't change and I can't control, but I can control my thinking and my actions. And so how do I start control flipping my thinking to start looking for the positives? How can I use this? And I love talking about my brother. This is part of the flipping it process because it allows me to keep his memory going and, and showing that even through his death, he is changing people's lives. Mm. Wow. Would you say that one of the positive aspects of, of that situation was that you found a purpose, your purpose in this life? Yeah, I don't know if I found it in that. I think it really kind of 
emphasized what I was already trying to do. I got into education because I want to make a difference in the life of people. Um, it wasn't until then where I really knew that it wasn't just students. It was other leaders, other people, how I was going to bring it in every aspect of my life. Um, so I think it was more of a bringing it out to, okay, now here's another piece that you can really use to, to do this. Mm. You talked about your values and you mentioned the first one being faith. Can you say more about what that means to you? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so, so for me, my faith is very important to me. Um, my belief in God and who he is and what he does for me in our lives. It's through my brother's passing. We just felt like God was just wrapped his hands around us. Um, and I know that's not maybe everyone's, um, experience with something like that, but that was our experience. And that was, you know, it was a, it was a really cool thing. Um, for me, my faith is when, when tough times come, it's, it's where I go to right away. Um, you know, I, I have to rely upon, uh, God's strength, um, to get me through the, the times that I'm, I'm going through. And it's something that, um, I try to bring in everything that I do, um, I, I truly believe that my purpose on this life is to love God above all else and then love my neighbor as myself. And so in different situations, when I'm a superintendent, I can't, you know, I can't publicly go out and, and try to do what my faith tells me I should do, which is also to tell others about him. That That's not part of that role. But what I can do is to love others and to treat others the way I would want to be treated and to teach others to love. And I think it's one of the most important things that we can do in this life is to love other people unconditionally, no matter where they are. It's why I love um, Leadership Montana, because it doesn't matter what you believe. You know, we're still supposed to care about you. We're still supposed to listen. We're still supposed to um, view your viewpoint as that is your viewpoint and I respect that and I, I love you anyways and and that's why I've really gravitated to Leadership Montana that's why I went in the flagship and then I went right into the master's class and I just keep trying to do as much as I can because I just love this concept of it's it's what our it's what our world needs right now yeah I could not agree more with that I feel so strongly that we need to find ways to love each other again and to be able to put aside the differences that might appear to create this culture of contempt um, in one of my favorite books I don't know if you've read it if you haven't I've got a copy for you but it's Love Your Enemies by Arthur C. Brooks have you read it I have I have oh, it on Audible yay. okay let's talk yep. about that my favorite book um, I am just so hungry for those thought leaders who are embracing this concept of love and kindness and and how we can saturate every aspect of our society with these concepts and and put away that culture of contempt and that division and the hatred and the vitriol and that seems to be a minority perspective right now like the majority perspective in in our american society is that we just we want to silo. We want to hate each other. We want to build bigger divides between us. And that is just heartbreaking to me right now. And what I find to be the most challenging aspect of, of this work that we do at Leadership Montana, because you're right, we are here to help people to see beyond those differences. And I'm curious, as, as you, know, you Stefan, in your position, in your role, and in your experiences in leadership, in life, in your community, how do you maintain this sense of love and kindness and empathy when it seems like so much is telling us to put those away and focus on these hateful, contemptuous behaviors? What's well, one of the hardest things that we do as humans, I think. Um, I think we are bred, we are created to connect with others, to love, but we're also because of the world and all these other pieces, it's also really easy to turn away from that. And 
I, I remember when COVID hit, you know, no one knew what this thing was going to look like, how this was. It was trying to prepare for that. And that summer, summer of 2020, I just remember just being like looking at what the damage that it already had done with just division. Um, you know, all of a sudden these echo chambers started to form, you know, everyone became polarized families, um, even the church inside the church. I mean, you name it, any, any piece of this friends, all of a sudden people just started dividing and we became so polarized. And I was just like, how in the world are we going to bring everyone back together again? How am I as a superintendent and a leader in our school district supposed to take this and try to build this bridge back to where we were. And now, before that, we were already going that way. Mm -hmm. This isn't, I mean, this is from the age of time. I mean, this is just kind of how it is, but it just seemed to be so much worse. Um, People's views were just so strongly against each other and, you know, social media made it worse. And there's all these different pieces that we could talk about, but I really had to try to rack my brain on what is it? What's the answer? What's the answer? And all I kept coming back to is the word love. Love was the only thing that was going to to help with this, and I was just like, okay, so how do I teach this? How do I how do I live this out? How do I model? Because that's the first step in anything is you have to first do it yourself, and then you can teach and help others and equip and train. But it was, what does this look like? And so I I really tried doing a lot of different like a definition, and then I ended up going into like an acronym, and that acronym was really important. Um, because it really kind of helped um, stage how I need to live my life. And the L became um, listen um, to others. And that's a, that's a huge piece in Leadership Montana, right? Listen mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And so it was, it's all about listening. And so what I say about listening, it's, it's, it's about hearing what they're, they're saying and trying to get a shared Um, understanding of what they're saying so what are the words what do we do how do we how do I get where they're coming from regardless if I agree with it or not how do I get there how do I see what they're seeing how do I how do I do that and then the O becomes observe them and that one's kind of a weird one for people but it's it's all about observing their body language observing their feeling trying to feel the same way that they're feeling. Even if you don't agree with it, how do you, how do you get to that space? Because now you're trying to not only get a shared understanding, you try to get a shared perspective. Because if you can walk away with that, that conversation with a shared perspective and that other person knows that, it doesn't matter if you agree or not, they're gonna feel the very next thing, which is the V, they're gonna feel valued. It's all about valuing them. And no matter who, that person is, what their beliefs are, what they look like, if they're different than you, similar to you, whatever, they're a human being that deserves to be valued. Mm-hmm. And so that V is really important um, that we are supposed to value them and we are supposed to love them anyways. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then that E is the one I like the most and it's elevate them. And this is all about building them up and so even if I'm having a conversation with someone that I am, you know, even if it gets a little heated, my job is to still listen, observe them, get that shared perspective, you know, value them, but then elevate them. How do I get them to walk away feeling better than what they did before, even though we're disagreeing? And so how do I lift them up? And there, there's a story that goes along with this that I think is really important. I'm, I've been about adding value to people for a very long time. My first year as superintendent was really difficult. I always said it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant and it was just so much. I was not ready for it. I was never going to be a superintendent, so I'd never really prepared for it. And then in the spring, we had a student who completed suicide. And that was one of the hard, another really hard thing to go through, meeting with the parents, trying to show love and compassion to them. Um, but also try to frame it in my job as to make sure that we still are preventing the next Mm -hmm. string of them that happens, which sometimes happens, but not pushing it in their face. I mean, it was just a really difficult time. And how do I, how do I do that? And in this situation, I was all about adding value to people. And I, when I went to this young man's funeral, 
I saw so many people there and heard so many stories about how many people added value to them. Mm. And I was just like, adding value is not enough. Adding value is not enough. And, and so I was just like, it's not enough unless we can get them to feel valuable. And, and that really goes to where Elevate is. Yes, we're supposed to value them. We're supposed to add value to them. But how do we in that, in the moment of that conversation, how do I get them to walk away feeling more valuable? Even though I'm disagreeing with them or agreeing with them, whatever it is. To me, if you can encompass all of that together, that is showing love. Because love is really true love. It's hard in the English language because love means every different kind of love. And so people get, I think in, in Americans, in English, we just, we just don't talk about it very much. I think it would be different if we had different loves for, you know, brotherly love or, you know, what the different types of love, but, but we need to be using that word more. Mm -hmm. And we really need to be showing that word more, especially in our interactions, especially in today's day and age where we are more polarized than ever before. How do we, how do we put this into practice and show that unconditional love? that you put into all of these the interactions that you have and you follow this formula of L-O-V-E it's love is that tiresome? Hmm. it can be mm-hmm. I think the tiresome comes from your own personal struggles because you know I am an infallible person. I make mistakes constantly and I can sit here and it's really hard for me to talk about stuff like this because personally I, I view myself as I can, I, I see all the times I'm not doing that and I should be. Mm-hmm. And so I think the tiresome pieces is, is that inner struggle trying to do that and then walking away from a conversation and then reflecting and being like, ah, I didn't do that the way I wanted to do that but that is not only part of being human but that's also part of leadership Mm -hmm. and I always say it's the most important piece after you do something you don't want to do it's not the the failure quote-unquote failure or the mistake it's what do you do after that so how do you when you when you reflect and say that's not the way I wanted to do it how do you how do you go to the next step and actually quote-unquote make up for it or you know try to get better from is really learning from that mistake, you know? And, and so I think the tiresome piece is for me is more of an inner struggle mm-hmm. because I don't do this as, as well as I would um, like to. And, you know, but I'm going to keep learning and I'm going to keep getting better at it because that's so important, not only for myself and the people that I come in contact with and influence, but everyone else in this world. Are you met with the same intentionality from people in your life? The same care of listening and observing and feeling valued and and being elevated? No. Um, It depends on who it is. Definitely some people. I mean, I could name a list of people who absolutely do that and are way better than me at it. Um, But I think it goes back to there's a, there's something I say all the time is hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so when maybe they're not treating me that way, treat, you know, treat me the way they want to be treated. My job is to remember by using that hurting people hurt people. And I need to remember it's not personal, even though it seems personal, something's going on in their life that I need to lean into and I need to listen more and I need to show more love and try to feel what they're feeling because something's going on. Mm-hmm. And how do I get them to feel more valuable at the end of this conversation? And so I just think, yeah, I just think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And the reason I asked that question, because I anticipated that the, your answer would be no, not all the time. And you keep doing it anyway, because it's not about that reciprocal relationship the reciprocal you know you need to get what you give it is you are just giving 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 mm-hmm. right absolutely say more about that why is that important to you well if we don't where is our world going to go 
I am a true believer in this concept of the golden rule. Treat others as you would like to be treated. And, and we're supposed to love anyways. Mm-hmm. And so even if we're not getting treated that way, it's so important to love anyways. Um, it is one of the most important things for us to do as humans. And that's how we start changing things. If that movement can start where we just say, you know what, we're going to make, be intentional. We're going to make this commitment to, we're going to love anyways. What kind of change will start happening then? Because I think what ends up happening is, and what you were kind of alluding to is there's a cycle that ends up happening where someone hurts me. I get frustrated. I'm not being intentional. I forget. Mm -hmm. I lash out. Then they do it back. And then you have this back and forth that no one wants, neither one of those parties want. And then we become more polarized. We grow away from each other when one person could just stop and just start loving, Mm. loving them anyways, stops the cycle. What would you say to someone that says, oh, that's just squishy, emotional, vulnerable, hooey, I'm not, I'm not, that's not for me. What do you Mm -hmm. say to them? I would love to ask them a lot of questions. <laughs> I would love to. Like who hurt you? <laughs> I, I would love to love them anyways and just ask questions and try to listen to them and, um, and just hear their perspective because I'm, I'm sure they have a lot of really good points as to why they're feeling that way at, at, that, at that moment. And it's just really interesting because there is going to be a lot of people who think that way. Mm-hmm. For sure. I tell my administrators all the time, the number one thing you can do as a leader is to be vulnerable. I, I think it's, it's the most powerful thing that you can do because it's in those moments of vulnerability that we, we, people can see us as human and we can take down walls that we're constantly trying to fight. Mm-hmm. And it's at that emotional level where we start making connections. And it goes back to, you know, I, w- I would love to ask them, don't you want someone to treat you like this? You know, so let's start that cycle. Mm-hmm. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about your work with, with John Maxwell. Yeah. John Maxwell is a, a leading thought leader in the world of leadership. And you are um, someone who works with him, trained by him uh, to facilitate his work and I'm curious if you can tell us more about what that has meant to you, what, how that has really kind of informed who you are. Yeah. So when I said I love leadership, um, I didn't know what that really meant. And when I became an administrator, I got into administration, not because I wanted to be an administrator. It was one of the, I was never going to do that. I just didn't see teachers being supported the way I thought that they should. And I didn't know if I could do it but I wanted to give it a try. And so I started. So after my first year of, of teaching, we ended up deciding to move back to Montana. And one of my teachers gave me a bunch of leadership books. One of them was the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John C. Maxwell. That time I didn't know who he was. I read it and it was like everything in my head was down on paper, but it was way better and way more. <laughs> so I just kept reading his books like crazy. And one day on Facebook, I saw an ad saying, Hey, you can be part of the John Maxwell team. And I went to my wife and I said, I'm not asking, I am going to do this. Um, and I mean, I joke about that. It was similar to that, but it wasn't quite that, but it, I, she knew I was very passionate about it. And so I was able to be certified. Um, at that time it was called the John Maxwell team. Now it's called Maxwell leadership, but I was able to go to Costa Rica, um, with about 250 people from around the world with, with John and we went and train the leadership of Costa Rica on roundtable models of, of facilitation and leadership um, to to bring about transformation. And it was a really cool experience. Um, I loved every second of it. I've been able to be a part of a lot of other um, things as well, but I'm able, like you said, to to teach some of his materials. And I just love how it's about the person and serving. Um, in all of his work, love is there. Mm. He doesn't talk about it, but that's, that's what it is. It's all about trying to, to love other people and to help them where they're at to be better leaders. 
And, you know, he, one of his famous quotes is, um, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I truly believe that, um, everyone influences someone. So everyone's a leader Mm -hmm. and you're either influencing in a positive way or a negative way, which means you're either leading in a positive way or a negative way. And so with the world where it's at right now, it is so difficult and leadership is so difficult, but it's, there's never been a better time to have good leaders. Our job is to influence and to, to bring about positive change. And that is exactly what I see John Maxwell doing throughout the world. Um, he's been in many different countries trying to bring transformation. And it's just really cool to see what, what he is doing. Um, he's now starting to get into areas in the United States even more. Um, he's focused a lot on these other countries who invite him in. He, he's not going to go and push his way into anywhere. Um, they invite him to come and, and transform their country. and to bring this, this positive um, leadership to their country, which is really cool. And everyone as part of his team can't wait for the day that one day or maybe our leadership in the United States asks him to do the same thing here. But he's, he started different things. Like he, his, one of his books that he came out with in the last couple of years is Change Your World. And so he's doing a lot of that stuff um, in America right now, along with some student um, curriculum for values in in the schools and stuff so it's, it's pretty neat to see where he's going with a lot of a lot of things but i just i just really gravitate toward how he is as a leader mm-hmm. and what he does which is really about um, serving other people and just loving them can't see because you're listening to this listen first podcast but I've got a page of notes in front of me every time I'm with Stefan I um and I get to hear him talk I just I leave with so many nuggets of inspiration and 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 powerful um feel good um, feelings and thoughts and I'm just so grateful that you are a part of this leadership Montana family now um, you as you said you went through the flagship class immediately went through the master's class which you just graduated from and now you serve on our, our board of governors you yep. have your first meeting starting tomorrow yeah. um, first of all thank you for that service absolutely and my question is um, what why what call what why did you say yes to that invitation to serving on our board well through through the flagship, I remember there was a moment. So I was the class of 2021. So, so that's year 2020 and 2021. So it was really that first year of, of COVID. And it was definitely a different experience. We didn't know any better though. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all we knew. Um, but I missed the first event in Big Sky. And my first one was in Lewistown. And in that um, session, we had the American Prairie and some cowboy ranchers Mm -hmm. conversations and if anybody knows the issues around that that was we um chantelle was going to lead this he was she was showing us gracious space and what a great topic to be able to show that and it was it was one of the coolest experiences that i've seen um with just bringing two sides that are adamantly against each other bringing them into a space and allowing for dialogue to happen and that's when I was hooked. Mm. And I was just like, this is great. This is exactly what I was talking about with the acronym LOVE. It was just facilitating conversations and trying to build bridges to show that, yes, you have differences, but you also have similarities. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to hate each other. There's, there's a lot of really good things that can come of this, and you can actually get better solutions. I think people have forgotten that the real magic happens in the middle, mm-hmm. not on the edges. It's when both sides come together and have the conversation. And because those conversations aren't happening, the magic, we've lost the magic. Mm-hmm. And, and so Leadership Montana, to me, is all about bringing those different sides together to make the magic. And how is that going to not only help us in our personal lives, but also Montana and also these United States? I mean, it's, 
it's vitally important. So for, for, to me, it's, this is being a part of something that I feel like is absolutely needed mm. in society right now. Wow. I, I wrote down magic happens in the middle. I, I firmly believe that I am really concerned about these, you know, extreme polar, you know, political or ideological philosophies that we can get so wrapped around and, and and that's where we start to really pull away from each other and and stop talking to each other stop listening to each other stop engaging at all unfriending people unfriending and... <laughs> people yeah. I spoke at a, a group once and I asked the question of you know when was the last time you had a conversation with someone with whom you disagree and someone raised their hand and they said I don't know anyone that doesn't agree with me I mean, we have just so deeply entrenched ourselves into our camps and our silos. And um, I, I do, I see this work of leadership Montana as, as a place that we can break those barriers down. And and that I think is why I'm still committed to, to doing this and why I'm just so grateful that people like you keep saying yes and keep showing up and keep leaning in and keep working hard for for a better Montana for all of us. And and I think that we deserve that, all of us. Absolutely. Stefan, is there anything else that you want to share with us that we haven't talked about? Yeah. Um, it really comes with what we've already talked about. But I, I just want to kind of speak to those people right now who are having a really difficult time, um, either in leadership, their own lives. It is, I mean, one thing I can promise everyone, unfortunately, is that tough times will come and they're gonna keep coming. But it's not just about the tough times, it's about the good times that are also there that we sometimes forget about and it's about not only looking at that, but that's really difficult. It's really difficult. You know, we talked about the concept of flipping it and that's really hard. It's really hard to do. And I think the, the most valuable thing I did during COVID was to not only have a coach, but also a mentor. And to me, the difference is a mentor tells you what they would do and you learn from what they do, or didn't do or whatever and a coach just helps you go with inside and the answer is in with side you so they just ask you questions and they're really uh, skilled so very similar to like a therapist mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, very intentional about bringing things out and I, that was probably the most beneficial thing um, that I did because it really comes back to what are the people who are the people in your lives that you are being very intentional with having them so that you can get through those tough times. Because one of my favorite TV shows now is called Alone. We just started watching this like a week and a half ago. And I think it is like one of the most amazing leadership videos that I've ever seen. <laughs> because these people have all, they, they're literally, they're so jacked to go and do this and to prove to everyone that they can do it. And within the first day, they're all questioning, what the heck did I do? Like once that, boat or the helicopter leaves they're like reality sets in and i think we all have all these visions of what we want to accomplish and then reality sets in all of a sudden we're like oh crap but it truly is a mental game it's all about what we can control which is our thinking and our actions and we forget about that and it's the same thing with them and it, and it's just it's just and they're in extreme situations, right? So bears come in. I mean, they have all these different worries that they have to do. But it's, it's, to me, it's like leadership. We want to do this, and all of a sudden things come. And how are we going to deal with it? And it's this mental game of, you know, oh, I should be better at this or I this. And it's all about controlling that piece. And it's really difficult to do it alone. Mm -hmm. All of them are saying, man, if I just had someone else, this would be really easy. And so the thing I really want to stress is for those people out there, get people in your corner. Be very intentional about who you have with you, who you're sharing with. Help them. It's because sometimes you need to be pulled along. And that's everyone. Mm -hmm. And if people don't say that, I think, I don't know. I, I think I would, be, I would question them as to you've always 
been on the positive side of this because I think we've all seen our dark days in different things in our lives. Having those people help us through that is so important. So get as many people as you can that love and support you, that can be that support for you to get you through it. And there is another side. Mm -hmm. There absolutely is another side and better days. And it's through those moments that are your darkest that are going to give you the greatest opportunity to get to where you want. It's going to give you the greatest opportunity to grow. And so that's what I would love to leave people. All right, rapid fire. Who is your favorite superhero and why? Definitely Captain America. Does the right thing and does everything that he can to never quit. One thing I we teach our kids all the time is Shrybices never quit. That's what we say over and over and over. And it's really cool when they say it back to us in a situation. They're, you know, they're like, wow, that was really awesome. What made you do that? Shrybices never quit, Dad. It's like, yep, Shrybices never quit. Fill in the blank. Leadership is? Love. Who do you admire the most? Leadership-wise, definitely would be John C. Maxwell, many other people that down that road, but my wife. She is just a phenomenal person. She's just so awesome at what she does, and she has no idea. <laughs> she has no idea how awesome she absolutely is, and uh, she just is just such a good person that I just love watching because she just influences so many people's lives in such an awesome way. What are you reading right now or listening to? What, what are you consuming? So I'm listening to The Power of One More by Ed Milet. If you could spend one day doing anything at all, what would you do? Hang out with my family. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? I'm not a big travel places. I'm, I'm an introvert, so I just love being at home. Um, wherever my family would want to go and where they're going to be at, I'd love spending time with my family. What is your favorite hobby? Definitely leadership, learning. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? When I was little, probably grasshoppers and dog food, which is a huge story that goes along with that. But <laughs> That's for another that's podcast. That's for another one. Uh, if you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? I would say Mark Cole. He's the CEO of all of John Maxwell's companies that they're combined into one. I think it would be really cool to see what he sees. But in reality, probably the person who's giving me the hardest struggle at that time mm -hmm. so I could truly see and feel what they are going through wow that is a powerful response I have to think about that one that would yes that would give you so much clarity and understanding of why someone behaves the way they do and and how you respond to, yeah, yeah, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, it's, it's so much, it's, it's so hard to do it when you're frustrated. And so you try to, but that would just give you so much more clarity. That reminds me of the saying that you see so often right now. It's that you just, you don't know what someone's dealing with, just be kind. Yeah, what could happen if we could actually put ourselves in the shoes and lives of other people? Like true empathy, like experiential empathy. Yeah, so I, when my brother passed away, I, I really came to the conclusion there's no such thing as empathy. Because I used to think that I was empathetic towards people when they lost people in their lives, and then I was like, I had no idea. Mm. I truly had no idea. So, I mean, it's semantics, but it, it made me realize, wow, even if, when I'm trying to be empathetic, I truly can't get there. And so, you know. My job is to still try to do my best at that. What is something that people get wrong about you? I am such a servant leader. I just want to take things off of other people. And so if someone's going to have to work the weekend, I'll do it. I'll spend time away from my family instead of others. So I think, but sometimes that can be seen as micromanaging or not allowing for people um, to do certain things. And so I've been really working on that. Uh, because one of the most important things to me that I haven't mentioned in here is failure, how important failure is and how we should be in education, be teaching failure mm -hmm. and how do you respond to failure? Because truly only failure is when you stop. It's all learning comes from making a mistake first 
and then figuring out how to do it. That's learning. And so, and here I have this, but I'm not allowing my own administrators to fail. So I haven't been congruent. And so, so I'm, I'm learning that right now and really trying hard to lean into that. But yeah, it, it's, to me, it's my servant heart wants to take things. I want to take the pain. I want to take that, that there, but mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Last question. What is one thing that you want to be remembered for way in the future when the history books tell a remarkable story of a leader, Stefan Schreibeis, what do you want that story to be? That's an easy one for me because on my personal growth plan, I, my, my last goal is um, at the end of my life, if I could look back on it, I would love to be able to say or see that I valued people, believed in people, and unconditionally loved people. So if people can view me that way, that would be the ultimate. I think you're well on your way. Stefan Schreibeis, filling the world with love. Thank you. Thank you, Chantel, for having me. Thanks to Stefan Schreibeis and Chantel Schiefer for that fantastic conversation. And thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or post your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana. Montana.